Today's show is sponsored by How to Fix the Internet, an original podcast from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Sometimes it can feel like we are moving towards a digital future no one wants, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are choices we can make to create an internet that makes a better future for all of us. In each episode, Cindy Cohn and Jason Kelly invite someone with a vision on how to fix the internet, someone with real solutions on how to move the needle forward towards a better online world. We checked out the Freedom to Tinker episode of How to Fix the Internet, and it was interesting to see how we can learn from open source and lessons from the past to fix future challenges. Search for How to Fix the Internet in your podcast player, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to How to Fix the Internet for their support. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And as we record this, it is the end of the month. I cannot believe January is gone in 2023 already. But that also means this is the final look ahead show. So after the news this week, we do have our final look ahead show. And we're going to be talking about the CNCF in our look ahead. But let's dive into our news for this week. And the first news article we have actually is about the CNCF, the landscape, and about the projects and some of the more interesting and popular projects as well. So uh, links in there for everyone to go read. I'm not going to read all of these, but they did break it up into the top incubating projects as well as just the top 10 overall, regardless of status. Um, couple of th- notes that were in there that were interesting to me. Backstage, um, we're hearing more and more about Backstage and, and Spotify donating this to the CNCF and this idea of a developer portal or a developer platform. And we actually have a show coming up uh, about that before too much longer. Thanos is another one which belongs in the observability and, and, and analysis category, kind of like with monitoring because it is based off of Prometheus. So there's that one. There's Istio. We've talked about Istio on the show before. And there's gRPC, uh, to just name a few. And then if you look at some of the top projects, um, Envoy is in there, Helm is in there, uh, etcd, Prometheus, Kubernetes, of course, is in there. Uh, but um, it was just an interesting list to me, and I certainly wanted to learn, especially about some of the incubating ones and what's something to look forward to in 2023. Coming up next for our next news article, we have another article on platform engineering. Uh, this one came to us from the new stack, and uh, um, it was an interesting, uh, a bit of a read, uh, definitely a little lengthy on this one, but I really liked the idea of where we in the infrastructure side of the house, where this has gone and this shift from really delivering a service, right? And that's where SLAs came came from in our industry into managing a platform as a product and how this is significant. And this is, again, we're seeing more and more written about this. This is an emerging trend we see that I think is definitely starting to take hold. I think it's something that was always there. It's just starting to become something that is a conversation topic for the industry. And finally, uh, the links are in there, but two real quick ones. Uh, Intel, both Intel and Microsoft, uh, unfortunately, didn't meet their numbers um, and saw a decent hit uh, to their stock prices. In Microsoft's uh, 
uh, side of the house uh, as your the crowd the excuse me the cloud growth slowed to 31% and that barely beat projections. Uh, still brought in a decent amount of revenue, uh, but they did have a big uh, write-off, uh, of course, to uh, the resource downsizing that they had, as many uh, are having in our industry at the moment. Um, and Intel starting to see uh, chip sales fall off. And we don't know, you know, it could be partially post-pandemic, um, but also just everything is starting to get soft in the industry overall. And so with that, I'm going to wrap up cloud news this week. And right after the break, as I mentioned, we have a look ahead with the CNCF. And we're going to be talking to Chris, CTO at the Cloud Native Foundation. And that is coming up right after this. Is your cloud bill out of control? Cloud Zero is building a platform that will let you analyze your cloud investment faster than ever before. You'll get accurate, granular visibility into your total cloud spend without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. Cloud Zero is how cloud-driven companies gain more financial control and predictability by driving immediate and ongoing savings. You can answer questions like, how can I save 20% of my cloud bill right now? Who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? Join companies like Rapid7, Drift, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. Again, please visit cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. Datadog is a SaaS cloud monitoring and security platform that enables full stack observability for modern infrastructure and applications at any scale. Providing teams dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, infrastructure monitoring, UX monitoring, security monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform, plus 450-plus out-of-the-box integrations with technologies including cloud providers, databases, and web servers. Aggregate all your data into one platform for seamless correlation, enabling teams to troubleshoot and collaborate together in one place, preventing downtime and enhancing performance and reliability. Get started with a free 14-day trial by visiting datadog.com cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. And we're back and we are at the end of our look ahead shows for 2023, but we saved the best for last here. We are going to be talking about the CNCF today. And in order to do that, uh, we went out and got Chris Anazik, CTO for the CNCF. And first of all, Chris, on a scale of one to let's call it five, how did I do pronouncing your last name? Uh, I'll give it a four since I definitely helped you out just before we started. <laughs> hey, we we have a history of 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 names and pronunciations, so I will take a four. That's a passing grade for yeah. us. But so first of all, welcome to the show, and tell everyone a little bit about your background. Yeah, no, super glad to to be here. Um, yeah, I, I, we'll see where I want to start with my background, but I'll kind of give you kind of a, a rough history. You know, definitely. Kind of grew up as a person that loved to play video games, eventually wanted to build video games and kind of ended up, uh, you know, uh, learning programming that way. Uh, eventually, uh, you know, made my foray into discovering, um, you know, Linux, uh, you know, 25 something, you know, almost, you know, years ago and started to first, you know, obviously as a consumer, um, you know, uh, getting it all, you know, working on the systems I had at the time, uh, eventually getting a little bit involved in certain communities. If you remember Slackware uh, and even Gentoo uh, back in the day, it was kind of my uh, early early days in open source software. But you know that 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 experience essentially shaped 
you know, me and, you know, I kind of appreciated my time there where literally people out of the blue, whether it was on Usenet or IRC would just answer the most like mundane questions I had of like how to fix my, you know, also sound drivers to whatever crazy things. And they would just help me. And, and that whole like experience of people coming together, um, you know, to work on a piece of software and just helping each other kind of stuck with me and kind of, uh, that's kind of how I, I started my uh, career in open source, eventually landed uh, a job at IBM working on Linux and uh, a bit of open source software called Eclipse uh, and uh, kind of uh, low-level JVM stuff. If you remember uh, developer tools back in the uh, you know early early years, uh, it was a lot of fun. learned a lot of fun. Definitely got kind of addicted in building uh, you know developer tools and open source tools. I kind of have that quick feedback loop. Even though developers tend to be uh, some of the worst customers <laughs> that you could have based on how much how much they complain and how little they pay you. <laughs> uh, in, in, in some ways, but uh, but eventually, uh, yeah. I, after you know, a, you know, bit a bit of time at IBM and and, and kind of learning the ropes there, eventually uh, quit that job to do kind of an early open source uh, startup where uh, some colleagues and I tried to build a uh, essentially cloud based provision environments almost fifteen years ago based on uh, you know Eclipse. The company eventually became. Uh, something called Eclipse Source, but the the whole idea was you know getting developers started quickly. Um, you know when they uh, first boot up their uh, IDE, and if we kind of look at you know the modern version of these this today, uh, it's essentially things like GitHub Code Spaces, Gitpod, etc. So it's kind of cool to see that vision kind of come around. So you know had a had a bit of open source startup experience. Eventually spent a couple years uh, at Red Hat working on. You know, kind of engineering management, working on Eclipse and you know JVM stuff. Eventually, quit that to work at Twitter for about a handful of years, uh, getting them to a move to the Java uh, Java Virtual Machine JVM from a crazy uh, uh, boutique custom Ruby environment that they had uh, back back in a day, uh, and also kind of helped them with a lot of open source infrastructure. So they had a kind of a, a thesis back then where you know, hey, you know, we're essentially an ads company you know, uh, we need to scale and what's the best way to scale? Well, let's customize all this open source software out there because a lot of the commercial stuff couldn't fit the bill at the time. And so a lot of these, you know, projects, uh, you know, out there today, things you see like Parquet, Mesos, et cetera, I think kind of spurred a lot of the early uh, movement towards open source infrastructure since a lot of that stuff wasn't really uh, open sourced uh, back then. And eventually things like Kubernetes and, and the cloud native computing uh, I think foundation were birthed based on some of those kind of uh, feelings of like, hey, let's go share this stuff because we're actually not in the infrastructure uh, business. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a rough history. Of that. And eventually after I left uh, Twitter, I kind of got roped into uh, both start the Cloud Native Computing Foundation and the Open Container Initiative, which was all about standardizing uh, essentially Docker containers at the time into standardized format so we don't want to have to depend on you know one entity uh for uh for it so it's a rough uh rough background uh, <laughs> no, that's and i'm coming back from and i'm coming back from a, a crazy international business trip so i'm a little bit jet lag so i apologize uh, <laughs> folks, uh, today but hopefully that's a, a good background for you yeah we were yeah we were talking about it before you hit record yeah just so everyone knows like chris is tired and we appreciate it. And we've also had to reschedule this a, a couple times as well. So, so I, I appreciate you, 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 uh, you know, pushing through today. So, so tell me what does, you know, like the day to day, like what as CTO of a foundation, like the CNCF, what exactly does that entail? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, you know, if you, if you kind of look at our latest, you know, uh, you know, CNCF annual report, you'll kind of see kind of what the foundation is up to, but, you know, from the CTO perspective, core responsibilities are essentially ensuring uh, our projects are happy, right? And, and what does happy mean? <laughs> so one is, uh, you know, in, ensuring that, you know, they get enough support, whether that's infrastructure, whether that's technical documentation, whether that's developer advocacy, uh, whether that is, you know, security audits, etc. So we, you know, have a, a, you know, a couple handful of folks, you know, that work at the foundation dedicated to essentially project uh, services. So ensuring that they have all the resources they need to be uh, successful. We necessarily don't do the, uh, let's call it the, the day-to-day feature work you'll see in the projects, but we do a lot of the, let's call it um, ancillary stuff that, you know, doesn't necessarily block a feature release. That could be documentation or a security audit, uh, et cetera. And, you know, that's essentially the core uh, bit, uh, you know, of, of, of the team. So kind of my day-to-day is ensuring that stuff is healthy. Obviously, we build a lot of uh, cool tools out there that I'm sure you've seen. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that crazy cloud-native landscape or hellscape, like sometimes people like to call it, but we kind of have a, a team that kind of works and, and builds uh, tools to make our you know, community uh, more efficient, um, you know, at the end of the day. So I'll kind of give you that as like the, the, the high level view, you know, there, you know, there's some other kind of future looking work, uh, you know, that I spend time doing. I do a lot of kind of investigation of uh, new technologies, uh, new areas that the CNCF may be interested in pursuing and kind of work in tandem with our independent technical board called the TOC to kind of ensure that we have a, a good, healthy let's call it lay of the land and ensuring that the options that we provide for our community are, are up to uh, up to snuff. Fantastic. And let's then take that one step further. What does the, the CNCF kind of do these days uh, for those that aren't familiar with kind of the mission and the charter and what should people expect, you know, cause there's lots of stakeholders, there's partners, there's consumers, like and then there's <laughs> projects and there's events and there's training, like, CNCF, yeah. you know, in a very short amount of time has, has grown significantly. And so like, how do you see the CNCF these days? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, at our, at our core, if you kind of go to our website, you know, the core mission is right on the front page. It's truly to make cloud native, uh, ubiquitous and sustainable, you know, that is our core mission and, you know, how we do that. There's, there's many ways, you know, there's things like events, right. Things like KubeCon, uh, there's things like training, right. We do a lot of, uh, free training material. We also have official certifications, things such as like the certified Kubernetes administrator that we put together, which uh, is, is is a lot of work that I don't think people realize because we have to refresh that thing uh, uh, every release. Um, you know, obviously we have a huge uh, community uh, that the foundation is responsible for. We do, uh, you know, we help cultivate these things called Kubernetes community days. Um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, probably about 50 plus of those events, you know, covering, I think we had like six, 7,000 people attend those. So it, it's truly a, a variety of, of things that we kind of, you know, do focus on events, training, marketing, project services, an ecosystem, uh, you know, development, you know, back to our core mission of making, you know, cloud native ubiquitous and sustainable, you know, part of that work is ensuring that, you know, projects, you know, are healthy. Uh, we have spent uh, easily over a million dollars in, uh, you know, producing mentorships. So projects, you know, have a stream of new contributors and new folks contributing to the community, which hopefully could become, you know, maintainers, you know, down the line. We've spent uh, probably a couple million dollars on security audits over the years to ensure that our projects are, you know, safe and, you know, up to date with security practices. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people remember the the log 
for J incident or solar, you know, security is uh, top of mind to folks. And we try to be a little bit ahead of the curve to ensure that our projects, uh, you know, definitely kind of meet, um, you know, the minimum bars, uh, uh, you know, out there on top of, uh, you know, uh, you know, more things that we kind of come, come up to ensure that the ecosystem is truly secure. So I think that's kind of the, the rough thing is like, you know, we do everything in the service to that mission. And, you know, there's a lot of different things from marketing, training, uh, events, projects, services, um, and, you know, a lot of our work happens, uh, you know, in the open. So, you know, folks that want to improve things or participate, they just attend, uh, you know, any of our kind of meetings that we have. Uh, and, you know, it is a lot of different stakeholders. Like it is a little, it is a little bit crazy. We have something like 850 plus, you know, member companies uh, that are involved all over the world, every major hyperscale cloud out there from every country that you know folks that you may have not even <laughs> you know uh you know heard of uh, even boutique cloud providers uh, that are that are popping up um so it's truly kind of a a bit of a unique dance that we have to play uh as kind of leadership in, in the organization to ensure all these constituents are happy that there's a level playing field so everyone kind of compete fairly uh and that the projects are you know kind of in good shape so people could kind of build these kind of um let's call it commercial ecosystems because you know when when i step back a little bit you know there's kind of this commercial commercialization um you know flywheel that we that we tend to really want to focus on to ensure that our kind of uh let's say it's called call of our commercial ecosystem could take advantage of you know this there's this thing that like cncf our job is to host projects ensure they're healthy uh the jobs of our members are to build products and those products produce profits that get reinvested back into the project. So this whole like projects, products, profits, uh, life cycle, you know, wheel uh, thing is that we can try to continue to push and ensure that is super successful. So that's why you see there's a lot of startups in our ecosystem. There's a lot of large companies and, you know, projects constantly uh, coming and going. Yeah. And, and I would add to that last bit is, excuse me, uh, in my opinion, why the, the CNCF has, um, been so successful, uh, without a doubt that, that focus on laser like focus on let's put lots of things in there. Let's get everything, you know, nice governance for everything. Make sure everyone, you know, plays by the rules and also gets supported and, and gets air, air cover and air time all at the same time. Right. Um, <laughs> That's interesting because like, you know, I think there's a pro and con to it because, you know, you know, some people could see that view. And then sometimes we talk to some of our member companies, let's call it like more traditional enterprises. And they're like, uh, it's like, can I just download the cloud native distro and be done? Like, I, I just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> sure. too, it's like yes. Too, yes. Too, too many, too many choices. Like, why are there like eight service meshes? Why can't there just be one? So it's, it's this kind of thing that we, we battle with. But the thing is like CNCF, we're never meant to be like, the home of like a full distro, right? We're all about having the Lego blocks where our member companies could go build products or whatever distribution they can. And and they, they provide the opinionated approach. We, we do not. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And actually that let's kind of segue that into a slightly different topic, but related is so there is a number of ways to represent the technologies under governance, right? There's landscape, there's technology, radar, et cetera. As CTO, how do you think about all the different ways there are to solve all the problems? 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, cloud native is all about distributed systems. And, you know, these things are inherently complicated by default. And there's many ways to do things. Right. And so uh, if you look at our organization, yes, we have a landscape that tries to truly show all the options out there. And, you know, for for all the kind of, um, you know, uh, quote unquote, eyesore that it could be for some folks, I actually think it is it, it is a truth telling document. Like I think any company or person out there that tells you this stuff is super easy is is lying, right? Like there's a, just a lot of optionality and choice uh, out there. Um, we are kind of in a, you know, a, a new wave of, you know, uh, technology that is being built out there. A lot of it is open. So it, there's just a lot of choice. And I think that that landscape truly is like, here, here's the truth. There's a lot of choice out there. There's a lot of, you know, <laughs> things out there for you to play with and choose from. So, um, you know, if you kind of look up how, like how we operate, you know, uh, there's this kind of hidden document that uh, we don't really surface well, but for folks that work within our kind of technical board community called the TOC, we have this set of technical principles that a lot of people don't realize that we operate, that we essentially, you know, are all about being project centric. We rely on minimal viable governance. You know, uh, we try to get the hell out of the way of projects. We don't try to force, you know, too many things, you know, on them. We have a, a no kingmakers philosophy, which essentially is the result of having, you know, whatever eight service meshes inside of CNCF, you know, four different ways to, to log things and uh, et cetera. So I think that, that, that whole enabling of competition is, is kind of a good thing in some ways. We also have this philosophy of no single stack. Uh, if you want your own stack, you could build it on your own. Uh, you could go or you go to like a vendor, like a, like an open shift red hat. Great. They have an opinionated approach or, you know, maybe you're like uh, Chick-fil-A and you go roll your own crazy stuff and deploy it in your restaurants on Intel Nux. So it's like, like, like we just kind of give the flexibility for everyone to do what's, what's best, um, you know, uh, you know, for them. And, you know, another part of these uh, uh, technical principles that we've laid out is uh, all about uh, promoting, you know, interfaces and de facto implementations of things over like, uh, you know, traditional standards. So for example, if you look at projects like, you know, open, uh, you know, telemetry, uh, CNI, and, and all these, you know, even the new stuff like open feature, all this stuff is kind of trying, is, is kind of being built from actual production usage versus trying to like standardize something, um, you know, in, in advance. And I think that's another kind of key success of this org is like, we truly try to, you know, come up with de facto implementations based on production usage versus trying to like standardize something um in in advance so hopefully that gives you some insight but essentially i think my favorite thing is you know we're we're, we're basically not king make king makers uh and there's no single stack there's tons of them and the more i talk to of our uh end user community and cncf like people do it different ways and people actually some of them really enjoy uh the, the optionality because you know there is this thing where there's a lot of companies that are becoming you know, technology companies, you know, these days, it's, you know, uh, you look at like a Chick-fil-A or, you know, maybe a Walmart, you know, a long time ago, maybe they just purely worked with, you know, an SI out there to kind of, you know, or purely bought off the shelf stuff. Now, it's a little bit of both, right? You know, the little bit of the lawn and CNC, it's all about kind of fulfilling that need for folks to be able to do, to, to do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Chris, let me go back to that that kind of commercial flywheel for a second because 
one thing we're certainly seeing, I mean, all the headlines here recently, there's a lot of, you know, tech layoffs happening and, and you, you hear stories about the economy, you know, slowing down. Um, I could see a world in which this impacts VC funding for companies, which then affects core projects. Um, and so does the CNCF need a certain, like, f their own flywheel? of volume of projects or providing value or um, how do you think about something like that? Or are you mainly focused on just good governance of all the projects in front of you and things like that is just a natural ebb and flow? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, if you kind of separate out the, the, the macro right now is like, you know, at the core seeds, we're all about, you know, serving our, you know, customers and you know, most, you know, the most initial customer in mind for me are the projects and ensuring that the maintainers there are, you know, happy, well supported, and, and the project is healthy. And, you know, most of the time, these projects are, you know, I would say the folks working on them are fully employed, you know, whether at a large, you know, company like Hyperscale, or maybe even startup. And, you know, even in the, you know, crazy, um, you know, global, you know, recessionary times we live in, uh, there, there's been minor effect, you know, obviously, there's been potentially some slowdown in one part of the stack, Right. You know, maybe there's some projects that are uh, having less maintainers work on them because, you know, people naturally move up, uh, you know, the stack. So I think we kind of, you know, that the focus tends to shift, you know, elsewhere with, with new things. So I, I'm not too worried as long as we kind of do the core things to ensure projects are healthy. You know, there's mentorships, you know, there's new contributors coming in and kind of things kind of take care, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of themselves. I, I do think you know, with these kind of macro conditions, there's naturally a change of focus sometimes for which projects get more attention. Um, you know, I think with the economy slowing down, um, there's been uh, a focus on, let's say, uh, cloud costs, right? I have a lot of friends that work uh, in the infrastructure business at a lot of these companies, you know, maintaining running infrastructure teams. And, you know, for a while, it was all about, hey, how fast can we ship uh, you know, features and deliver value. Now it's like, why the hell are we spending all this money on, you know, Redshift? Uh, can you justify? <laughs> so, so it's been like this kind of focus of, of like, hey, why, why are you using this? What is this actually benefiting? And so there's, you know, obviously a focus on like cost manager now. And, you know, there, there's a, you know, at least a couple or a few projects in CNCF that are focused on that. And, and so naturally that attention would, would flow you know, uh, there. And so I don't necessarily get worried. And, and honestly, if you look at things like, you know, KubeCon, for example, full name of KubeCon is KubeCon Cloud Native Con, right? It's more than just Kubernetes. You know, a lot of times people attend KubeCon no longer just purely for Kubernetes. It's like, they're like, we're, we're, we're good with Kubernetes. We want to learn more about security or cost management or, you know, some other, you know, new, uh, you know, you know, techniques. So, We've kind of diversified um, that event um, and, and our community uh, as, as a bit of a side effect. So there's kind of always something that people are interested because in. at the end of the day, like people are modernizing their technology stacks. They're moving to the cloud. Uh, we are truly the kind of uh, most unique place uh, out there from an open source organization uh, that truly has, you know, the kind of global hyperscaler boutique clouds, vendors and startups all in the same place, kind of uh, collaborating together and innovating together to kind of benefit, uh, you know, everyone. So I'm, I'm not too worried about um, uh, the times, even though like, you know, there are things like travel freezes, layoffs, et cetera, that kind of, um, 
you know, uh, you know, kind of our bumps in the road, but we do our best from kind of a fiscal planning perspective to ensure that we're fairly uh, well, well diversified. Like we don't depend on, let's say, one company for a majority of, of our revenue. We have 850 members uh, out there. Yeah, fair, fair. Absolutely. No, that's, that's super helpful. And actually, you know, Brian and I have talked on the show in the past about, yeah, KubeCon. Um, it, it, it's funny because it, it's called KubeCon or that's what you know, a lot of folks yeah. refer to it. But at yeah. the same time, it's not KubeCon anymore. But, the, but, <laughs> but the cloud native, you know, like all of that other, yeah. it's, a, it's all a mouthful. And so it's funny how <laughs> things have changed and morphed, but at the same time, uh, yeah, yeah, it's still KubeCon. <laughs> It's such a wild story too of like how it all started. Like, and if people noticed the subtle details before the conference was just KubeCon, and then it was KubeCon plus Cloud Native Con, and for a while we switched it to Cloud Native Con plus KubeCon. And obviously, some of the Kubernetes folks were upset because, hey, why don't we like front and center attention? Then we switch it back, and you know, then we started to do with all these co-located events. So we have things like you know, Backstage Con, Argo Con, Service Mesh Con, you know. Linkerd Day, Istio. So we have all these things kind of part of it. So it's just kind of funny how it's evolved over over the years. Probably a whole separate discussion of of just you know how how the naming and uh, expansion of that kind of event reflects the the state of the cognitive industry. Yeah, and 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 at its core, you you still have the idea of. Yeah, you have you know, 820 plus members, but you have certain projects that are, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll call your core projects, right? And even yeah, though yeah, they yeah. May, may be officially designated or not, right, you, you have ones that are just known or more popular or, or just have more gravity in the ecosystem, yeah. right? And and so, like, if I, if I expand that for just a second, right, for you as CTO, uh, of the CNCF, like, how do you feel about like, okay, there's core projects and do, like, does that need more attention or, you know, you want to say there's no kingmakers and so everyone is equal, like, and, and there, I'm sure there's lots of like projects have dependencies and there's, yep. you know, so how does all of that interconnection work for somebody like yourself? Yeah. I mean, at the core, you know, there, there's a, there's a couple of ways to slice projects in CNCF. You know, one, we have different maturity levels, right? So we have sandbox incubating and graduated projects, you know, your graduated projects or your folks like your Kubernetes, you know, Vitesse, you know, these kind of envoy, these kind of large scale projects that are in production and anywhere. And then there's kind of your more early stage sandbox projects, which are like, hey, these things may not exist in a year. They're more like kind of technological, like, like technology bets, that are kind of put on by the technical board and, and the organization, and then they're incubating, which are a little bit more mature uh, out there. So uh, we do kind of uh, focus resources uh, a little bit differently across those maturity levels. Like graduated projects, obviously, get a little bit more funding for you know security uh, audits and a little bit more attention um, at our conferences. Sandbox projects, we deliberately don't market them. So if you ever go to like KubeCon, for example, you'll see all these project logos all over the place, uh, you know, on our banners, but there's none from the sandbox, only incubating and graduated projects get kind of marketed and features because we don't want to, we don't want to fall in that trap of over marketing something that may, that may not be ready for wide public consumption. Um, so, so I, I mean, to, I hope that kind of answers part of your question. And, and you know, from in terms of like forcing um, interconnection or interoperability, 
Um, we, we tend to basically have a philosophy of let the market decide that, like as an organization, forcing uh, interop, um, I think is a mistake. Like basically it gets you into that trap of having like a single way or single distribution or single stack to do something. And some of the history of CNCF, when we're kind of get started, you know, I've been involved in open source foundations for, for quite a while, you know, I've uh, been, been involved with the Eclipse Foundation for 15 plus years, uh, was helped out the OpenStack Foundation in early days, kind of get started. And so we kind of looked at, uh, you know, these different organizations when we kind of get started and kind of try to learn lessons, you know, from them. And I think some of the, it's called, I don't say mistakes or missteps, maybe of, let's say, OpenStack was like having, you know, maybe too much uh, opinion in terms of like one way to do things where they're like, hey, you're stuck with Neutron and you, that you deal with it. Right? <laughs> we try to want it to avoid that trap of of like one way to do things. And like, it's okay to introduce, you know, confusion uh, potentially at the detriment of, uh, you know, and and user, um, you know, sim- simplicity. And, and so I think that's kind of uh, our thought process here. And like, look, if someone decides together to stitch together, you know, uh, some projects together, like, Hey, someone wants to integrate, you know, Envoy and Istio, or someone wants to create a, uh, a, a new service mesh API called open service mesh based on all this stuff, like go for it. Right. And like, let kind of that market decide what's best. And then we'll bubble up through the, the CNCF maturity levels of sandbox incubation and, and graduation. So that's kind of how, how I think about it. Like, don't, don't over, don't try to like over standardize something first, uh, right. Let, let's let's get the usage out there and let people compete out there and see what truly uh, kind of bubbles uh, bubbles up. And we actually have like a couple examples in, in our ecosystem. Like one uh, one that is kind of going on now is I don't know if people are familiar with the kind of <clears throat> new Kubernetes, uh, new Kubernetes, you know, gateway API. And you know, there's a project called Envoy Gateway that implements that. And essentially, there's a bunch of other projects in our ecosystem, uh, like Contour and uh, I think Administrate uh, Ingress that were kind of doing similar things. And they all decided kind of like, hey, let's go work together and let's standardize an Envoy gateway and let's go kill off, you know, Contour and, and, and Mystery Project and just work on that one. To me, that's like a beautiful example of like the market kind of figuring, you know, things out. And, and our, whole role, our whole role is to kind of enable that, um, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, uh, thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another mm-hmm. good example was where o- open telemetry and so on that came through a whole mess of open tracing, open census, and all these other projects. And they eventually decided to like, all right, this is even confusing for all of us and in our end users. Let's go roll up into kind of one standard that will handle you know metrics, logging, traces, uh, etc. So it's that's kind of how, how how we think about things. If that makes yeah. sense. And I really like how that that also just reflects of. It reacting to the customer base, right? It, it isn't yep. just something of like, hey, this is set in stone. This is the way it's going to be. It's a little bit of like, yeah, okay, hey, um, this is confusing, or this is where the you know the the, uh, the industry is headed. And so let's yeah, let's reflect that. Um, so I really like that. That's fantastic. Um, so Chris, let let me ask you this because every technologist has areas of interest, right? And and you recently did a, a post on predictions for 2023 that uh, put a link uh, to, in the show notes for this. Uh, you did a, a post over on LinkedIn. I will say um, you... You, you, you're not allowed to talk about FinOps though, because everyone talks about FinOps. So that, that one, is, uh, <laughs> no but, problem. what no are problem. some of the other, uh, areas of interest and in predictions and things like that for 2023? For yeah. Me? Oh, 
No worries. It's, not, it's a shitty economy. Of course, people want to save money, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that's so, the no-brainer. Yeah. Like, that, that one's easy. Like, you, you can't do that one. No, anymore. I, yeah, yeah. No worries. So, so you know, I, I think you know, you know, obviously, maybe maybe I'll do I'll do a few of them. So, like one of them, you know, for me personally, that you know, I just have a lot of passion and history with is you know, kind of development environments and and you know how those are going to be moving to the cloud. Uh, sooner than uh, I think people expect. Already, a, a lot of large companies out there, like you know, let's call it your more modern, modern tech companies, your like Slack, Stripe, Uber, Shopify, Facebooks of the world, they already use cloud-based development environments for a lot of their uh, engineering internally. Right there, there's none of this like, hey, we're just gonna you know check stuff out of some central repo and get our local Vim Emacs set up. No, these are like fully cloud-based you know, provision development environments. And so things like GitHub Codespaces recently came out of beta, Gitpod, uh, there's Replit, there's a bunch of these kind of uh, companies out there that are making this vision, uh, you know, happen where, you know, I don't know how many times in your career you've kind of, you know, like entered a new job or like maybe, you know, uh, hey, you attended the tutorial because you wanted to learn, I don't know, PyTorch. And like the first steps are always like, get all, make sure you have all your dependencies figured out, make sure this works or like crap, you're missing this. You need to go get, go download this. And it just, it's like a, it's like a nightmare to like set the basics, you know, uh, up, not even counting, like getting your development environment configured. And so these kind of cloud development environments are becoming a thing. And, you know, I, I think are just like, this is to me the year of, you know, uh, essentially cloud IDs becoming normalized in many parts of the industry. Because once people discover them, they're like, holy crap, this is actually faster. I don't have to spend all this time, you know, uh, you know, getting this set up. And then B, you can even like share what you're working on. Like, you know, if you run into a bug, if you ever played with Gitpod, Gitpod or Codespaces, you could basically easily go send them a workspace where they can kind of attach and you kind of go work on it together. So to me, it's like, the, the technology is there with like the advent of like containers and, and cloud native technologies kind of makes this thing um, a, a reality. So I'm, I'm a personally a, a huge fan of that. And I think you'll see more of that uh, with my like cynic hat on in some ways is this is one choke point for uh, let's call it some companies that truly want to lock down uh, their employees uh, <laughs> sure. like yeah. desktop and experience. I mean, yeah, if you, have, if you ever worked with banks back in the day, right. Or, you know, finance, you know, it was very common for them to have like, you know, Hey, you're not taking your code home. Right. If you want to go uh, work on stuff, you have to either be in the office or like, you know, whatever VNC or whatever, whatever, like securely, uh, you know, uh, get into uh, work, you know, computers, you know, through VPN, et cetera, whatever, and then work on stuff there. So like, like these cloud IDs, cloud IDs allow for a modern version of that in a lockdown form. And, you know, there'll be ways, there'll be ways to like observe what developers are working on. Like, I'm sure someone's going to integrate open telemetry into these things and you're going to have all sorts of crazy uh, data on like what people are doing inside their development environments uh, in the future. So uh, that that's one, um, you know, the other kind of big thing that, that is happening is, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, focus on supply chain security. You know, I think open source for, you know, uh, the, the, <laughs> since the beginning has kind of just like, we've just kind of won it in, 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 in some ways. Like, hey, we're just going to like work on this stuff, open it, share it in public and kind of roll with it. And, and you know, I, I think that has worked extremely well where most products these days, you know, 90% of the stuff they're built on is all open source software. Um, we're going through this kind of thing where uh, supply chain security is important for companies. There's regulation coming down the line. There's the U S has this uh, 
securing uh, open source software uh, act. Uh, the EU has something called the, the CRA, which is their kind of version, which is a little bit annoying because it's the same name as my Twitter handle, but all good. <laughs> but essentially, governments, governments are essentially caring about this stuff now. And that's going to result into a lot of pro- open source projects essentially having to step up their game, whether it's producing uh, SBOMs, which are basically software bill of materials, like what the hell is actually in this piece of software to, you know, maybe having some, you know, detail of, you know, who's actually contributing to the project. Are you passing, you know, uh, certain things where you have like audits so, like typical, like, you know, it, it, I don't want to say, it, you know, it's, it's typical what you're used to, like, uh, you know, going through kind of like a SOC, SOC compliance type thing. But essentially, open source software is, is going to have that type of moment where, you know, regulation is going to kind of force maturity in many ways. And, and it's going to happen, I think, fairly quickly over the next uh, few years. You know, even Kubernetes now is starting to produce uh, SBOMs as part of its release. A lot of other CNCF projects are, are doing ahead. We're, we're basically trying to get ahead of the curve uh, here. And I think you'll see, uh, uh, you know, a lot of open source foundations kind of, uh, you know, getting ahead of this in, in, in the near yeah. Uh, makes uh, sense. In, in, the, makes in sense. the near future. Yeah. And that maturity um, aspect is, is something yeah, that ahead. definitely that, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword because yeah, to your point, none of that stuff are, are show, some of those things is, is not necessarily yeah. fun. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it's showing maturity and it's enabling a broader adoption. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you know, I don't know if everyone had the, the the pleasure in their life to go through like a SOC two or like a FedRAMP type process, and you know, sometimes it's a little hilarious where it's just like, why are we doing this? But like, there are some good nuggets in there, right? Of like things that should be taken care of, right? And then so I think open source is kind of having that, uh, you know, uh, moment. Um, and I think I'll end with probably one more, uh, maybe one or two more things, and then I'll kind of hopefully wrap things up. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, kind of development portals. You know, I don't know if people have played with Backstage, uh, but that's kind of one. But, you know, essentially, you know, you know, at Twitter, we had, we had a similar tool that we built that did this. But basically, the whole idea is like making a simple on-ramp for developers to, you know, get started writing a service, finding documentation, uh, and, and just kind of having a central place for all this stuff, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot more usage of uh, things like Backstage this year. Uh, and Backstage is like one of those weird projects where, you know, I would say most CNCF projects, I tend to see them in like, I don't say tech forward companies, because that may be a little bit ridiculous. But basically, it's like more like your Bay Area, Bay Area startups, your high tech companies, you know, will be rolling out the service meshes before your traditional banks or enterprises, you know, out there. But with Backstage, oddly, I'm seeing it appear in more traditional enterprises almost first in some ways, like your airlines or your large banks, which is kind of a weird trend. Uh, But I am also seeing it, you know, obviously in kind of high-tech companies too. So I think it's just going to be bigger because it's such a common problem. Like once you eventually get to like more than a certain set of you know, services that you have to manage um, in an organization, you just need something to kind of keep track of that. Like what are the SLAs, SLOs on this thing? Who's responsible, you know, f- you know, for where can I find docs? How can I have a template to write a service? So I think things like backstage and, you know, developer portals um, are going to be a big thing, even though developer portals, I think is a terrible, uh, terrible name <laughs> for, yeah. for, for the, the software. And, Finally, the kind of last thing on my mind, you know, I mentioned I kind of do a lot of prototype and experimentation of technology. I've been a 
huge kind of uh, investigator and proponent of something called WebAssembly, which essentially is a new, you know, let's call it software runtime, uh, you know, that is essentially a, kind of like a sandbox virtual machine based on a lot of the uh, work that was done in the, the web browser ecosystem to ensure that, you know, your browser tabs are properly you know, sandboxed and, and so on. And so what's happening now, there's a lot of experimentation going on in that space because, hey, you essentially have a runtime that is a little bit lighter weight than a typical, uh, you know, container and, you know, may have a little bit more interesting security, uh, you know, uh, essentially uh, design and practices that kind of go along with that sandbox uh, environment. And, you know, hey, people are starting to run Kubernetes and, technology and all different, you know, kind of constraint, uh, you know, places. So uh, things like WebAssembly, I think are going to be, um, you know, uh, you know, things to kind of watch and, and look for because there's already kind of a bunch of startups in the space uh, out there uh, that are experimenting. We have a few CNCF projects, things like Wasm Cloud and Wasm Edge uh, out there that are experimenting with WebAssembly. Um, you know, there is uh, even our old friends at Docker, you know, now have a, you know, WebAssembly uh, technical preview that essentially allows you to run WebAssembly side by side with containers. So I, I just view this as like a natural evolution. Like if you kind of look at software computing, it's like, it's all about like, hey, maybe if we go back to like virtual machines, we kind of, you know, standardize on, on VMs as a form of kind of compute. Then we're like, all right, VMs are a little bit too heavyweight. What can we do? But boom, containers exist, right? And then some people are like, well, maybe containers are a little bit too heavy for certain workloads. Let's see what else we can find. WebAssembly. So you kind of have this natural evolution that I think happens with technology of trying to find something that is like leaner or simpler or, you know, maybe more secure. But, you know, like like with anything, there's always pros and cons, um, you know, to, to technology. It doesn't mean that the old stuff, you know, goes away. I know, I already know folks that are running VMs, containers and WebAssembly stuff side by side. So um, definitely, I think that's just something to kind of pay attention and 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 look out. I think that's going to be a kind of a generation changing technology over the next uh, five, five years. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah. Another, another tool in the toolbox is how I like to refer to it because yep. a lot of folks are like, yep. oh, containers are going to replace VMs. It's like, no, it's another tool. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, that that's fantastic, Chris. Let's, let's kind of wrap up there. I'll, I'll kind of finish this out with if folks wanted to learn more about CNCF, reach out to you directly, figure out what you've got going on, what's what's some good resources and places to start? Yeah, sure. So, you know, for me, it's simple. You could, you know, find me on, on Twitter, you know, CRA. Uh, you know, as long as Twitter still exists, I'll be there. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn or, or the internet. I have a pretty unique last name. In terms of uh, CNCF, uh, CNCF.io kind of is our, our domain. It kind of has everything. Uh, and, you know, I truly love um, people to check out some of our events this year. Uh, for example, next week, we're doing uh, a brand new event for the CNCF community called Cloud Native Security Con out in Seattle, February 1st and 2nd. Uh, I think as far as I know, it is the first uh, vendor neutral open source conference dedicated to uh, Cloud Native Security. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of focused on that because we have a lot of folks that attend KubeCon and one of the kind of responses on our survey that we get is like, what are you here for? And they're like, we want more security. And we're like, all right, let's do a new event around this. So, you know, we're, we're expecting, you know, somewhere close to, you know, 800, you know, something plus people 
next week in Seattle. So highly recommend folks attend that if you can't make it since it's a little too soon. We have uh, KubeCon this year in uh, KubeCon Europe's in Amsterdam in April. Uh, and uh, KubeCon North America is in Chicago in, in October. So those are great events uh, with uh, tons of folks that show up. And, you know, honestly, uh, it's all about learning, sharing information and so on. So I'd highly recommend uh, you uh, attend those. And then if you're kind of brand new to the ecosystem, uh, you know, go to our website and also uh, the, the Cloud Native Landscape, uh, l.cncf.io, uh, to me, is a great place to just kind of see how crazy things are. There's kind of a hidden feature of the landscape that people don't really know about called the guide. So when you go to the landscape, um, there is a uh, thing in the top left corner that you could switch between landscape and guide. And guide mode is all about like introductory, like how do I kind of uh, look at this ecosystem? What is a service mesh? So highly recommend folks take a look uh, at that. But uh, yeah, you could always find me on, on Twitter or the Cloud Native, uh, uh, you know, CNCF Slack and uh, happy to kind of have conversations with folks, but hopefully I'll see some of you at our, uh, you know, uh, events. It should be pretty interesting uh, this year with kind of the uh, economic recession. We'll kind of see how that influences the actual program of these events. Will we have more FinOps talks? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, thank you again, Eric, for having me on. Yeah, on absolutely. Program. And, and I'll, I'll double down on the uh, the CNCF Slack channel uh, uh, as well. The, the fantastic uh, resources over there, and, and they, do a, they do a really, really good job with that. So I definitely recommend that uh, to everyone out there. So uh, we're going to close out there. So thanks, everyone, for listening this week. And we encourage everyone, if you enjoy the show, Please, wherever you get your podcasts, if you have that ability, leave us a review if possible. And of course, tell a friend as well. And so we will talk to everyone next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 